0: Well, good morning. If this is if this is your first time with us, my name is Caesar. I'm one of the pastors here, also the pastor for Celebrate Recovery. Um, it's a blessing to be here with you this morning. Uh, thank God for uh, your presence here uh, today. Um, I'm uh, honored uh, to have the opportunity to come and share with you a word from the Lord. And so I uh, thank God for. Uh, God's time here. Also, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I know there's uh, there's a lot of damage done last Thursday, so Monday there will be the treadmill and all the other stuff that you can do. Um, I know for me it was a happy Thanksgiving because uh, the Sooners uh, are playing for the for the Vic-12 title, so uh, we got the Longhorns again. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> okay. All right. I I woke up this morning and I said hook 'em and I was like, Oh, what happened? I was like, Get thee behind me, Satan. No. (laughs) My niece called me because she's a big Texas fan. I'm like, how do you end up in our family? You know? Well, um, it's a blessing to be here with you today. Um, And also for those who are in the Well Cafe, uh, welcome uh, this morning as well. Well, um, as we prepare um, to hear a word from God, I I want to share for uh, a few moments from a particular passage found in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, and it's on page uh, 1629 uh, in your Bible. And so I want to, for a few minutes, uh, read this passage as uh, we use this as the background um, for today's message. Luke seventeen eleven through 19, will you prepare your hearts now as we listen for the word of God? Now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And they went, as they went, and as they went, they were cleansed. Will you think with me for a few minutes on this thought? From wounded to well, to whole, to redeemed, saved for thanksgiving. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we come before you now in the endless way that we know how, asking that you would be with us this day. That, God, one more time that you would rescue me from me. And, God, that you would rescue all of us from ourselves. God, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and acceptable in your righteous sight. And then, God, that you would hide me and hide all of us behind your cross that we may see you lifted up and glorified. Now, God, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to breathe into me and to all of us your breath of life, that we may be all that you called us to be. Take my words. Use them for the building of your kingdom. And then, God, we will be mindful in all things give you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whenever I read this passage of the healing encounter of the ten leopards, I must admit that I am always tempted to overly identify with the one leopard who with the one leopard who returned to return to thank Jesus for his healing rather than the nine who didn't. Yes, while I hope my first instinct would be to act as noble and graceful or grateful as the one healed leopard who returned to Jesus to give thanks for his healing, I am sure as the lowly human being that I am, that my first instinct, while I hope I would be like the one who returned, I am sure I would be more like the nine healed leopards who didn't. Because I am sure that once I discovered that I was healed from my disease that separated me from my community and the people I love, that my sense of urgency would focus my time and attention on getting back to life as I knew it, rather than going back to the one who healed me. Yes, as much as I want to say my response would be more like the one who returned to praise and give thanks and glory to Christ for his healing. I must admit that I am not overly confident that my initial response would have been so principled to return me back to the original source of my healing because my imagination would have been focused and limited to the here and now rather than the glorious eschatological future that God has promised for me and for all of us. So as much as I wish that my instincts would be to stop, to slow down, to turn, and to return, and to give thanks to the one who healed me, I am not so sure my initial response would have been to do so because I know so clearly how limited my spiritual imagination is when it comes to dealing with the with the circumstances of this human condition or understanding the reach of God's grace in my life, the universe, and eternity. So unlike the one leopard who returns to give thanks for his physical and spiritual healing that was given to him, I I know intuitively that my initial response would be to get back to life as usual. And as I knew it, so i can be who i think god is calling me to be however when i think about the juxtaposing responses of the one compared to the nine and as much as i'm drawn as much as i am drawn by my humanity to respond like the nine to the healing i received from god Jesus keeps calling me to respond to my healing like the one who refuses to go back to life as usual. Thus Jesus keeps calling me to be like the one who stopped and paid attention and gave thanks and glory for the spiritual healing he received. Like the one who came, who came to know that his physical health, that the, that, that the physical life he was, he was given or was given back to him would be meaningless without the spiritual substance of love and gratitude. Yes, through this one lowly Samaritan, God keeps calling me and calling all of us back to stop to give thanks To pay attention to the source that heals our wounded souls and continues to bless all of us with life. Because not to stop and give thanks and pay attention to the giver and sustainer of our lives is to worship the gift more than the giver. Matthew 6, 24 puts it this way. It says, no man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and you'll love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then Mark 6, and 25, 28 and 33 says this. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, in other words, what what Mark is saying in this passage, in other words, what Jesus is saying is pay attention to God and the principle of God's love and gratitude first and all of life will be blessed and secure. Likewise, as we look around and see how incredibly blessed we are as a country and as a people and as a church, I think it's particularly important for us as a community of faith to be mindful of stopping and paying attention and giving thanks and glory and honor to the one who gives us life and sustains our life and who will be faithful in securing us on the day we die. Because if we don't, our souls will be distracted and lost by the temporal things of this world. Giving thanks and having gratitude is important because it makes the ordinary extraordinary. William Arthur Ward says it like this. He says, gratitude can transform common days into thanksgiving turn routine jobs into joy, and change ordinary opportunities into blessings. Therefore, to stop and bless God for God's goodness in our lives is to understand that every day is an extraordinary gift blessed by God. The other thing about gratitude is that it moves God closer to humanity. Or let me... Put it more accurately, it moves us, humanity, closer to God. The scripture says that God inhabits the praise of God's people so we can't, so we can so we we can stop and give thanks. And when we do this, we are inviting God into our lives. When I was a young boy uh growing up, my grandmother, Evelyn, she was notorious for giving God praise for everything that was happening in her life. If her car broke down, she would say, thank you, Jesus. If uh, she went fishing and the fish jumped off the hook, she would say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you know, if, 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 if somebody treated her bad, she would say, thank you, Jesus. And she was always thanking Jesus for whatever happened in her life, whether it was good or bad. My grandma, Evelyn, was always thanking Jesus and telling me, you need to keep your hand in Jesus' hand and thank Jesus for the goodness that, that he is in your life. And you always need to thank Jesus. And and I remember one time when when my, my grandmother was experiencing some difficulties and she was thanking Jesus, and I, I remember asking her and saying to her, why? do you thank Jesus in the bad times and she said to me because when I praise God God inhabits the praise of his people and then when I praise God God is present and then she said and because the scripture says that when when if I don't praise God the rocks will scream out and praise to God and she grabbed my hands and she said baby ain't no rock gonna praise God for me Gratitude and praise invites God into our circumstance, no matter what. Gratitude and praise brings us to God, no matter what. The other thing about gratitude is that it keeps us grounded to the reality of who we are in the universe and in God's kingdom. We are self-centered and narcissistic by our very own nature of who we are because we are fleshly human beings. I tell people all the time, I wake up concerned about me, I wake up, I'm taking a vitamin, I'm taking a pill, I'm putting on a seatbelt, I'm taking off a seatbelt, I'm staying away from certain people, getting around certain people, I read the news, I stay away from the news, I drive in one lane, I stay out of one lane, I, I drive fast, I drive slow, I do all of these things in the effort to keep death away. And all because I'm concerned about me. When I was growing up, I mean, when I, I was growing up, the, 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 the first words, uh, both of my parents were deaf, and the first words that I learned as a young boy was, this is my name in sign language, Caesar. And so when I was growing up, this was the first word that I learned, and this was the second word. So you, you, <laughs> you, those two together in my house was trouble. I couldn't see those two signs together. I was like, see, I don't, and I was like okay, I'm gone. I found Jesus. I'm gone. I'm going to find Jesus and the disciples. <laughs> but when I was growing up in my house, I mean, I learned Caesar and Phyllis. That's my sister, Eileen and Kevin. And I learned mama and daddy. And I learned the very important word, mine. And I knew that as a child that, that if it was mine, it was mine to own and it belonged to me. And I could manipulate it and use it as I wished. But my mother would always tell me when she gave me something, she would remind me that that gift came from God and that I needed to say thank you to whoever it was. My mother, my grandmother, they were always reminding me and reminding all of us that we have our tendencies to be self-centered, but it is important for us to know that God is the center of the universe. I love what Anne Lamont says about gratitude. She says this, gratitude begins in our heart and then dovetails into behavior. It almost always makes you willing to be of service, which is where the joy resides. It means that you are willing to stop being a jerk when you are aware of all that has been given to you in your lifetime. In the past few days, it is hard to be humbled and pleased pleased to give back. Thus, life is a gift and a challenge. And while it is a gift and a challenge, we human beings, while we have the tendency to conflate our matter as the only matter in the world, gratitude grounds us and guides us to the reality that we belong to God and that God is the center of the universe in our lives. So the question, the question, there's always a question from the preacher, how do we as a people of faith live a life of gratitude? How do we begin to live a life of gratitude? Three things I think we need to think about. The first thing, we need to be, we need to recognize our need for God's help. Knowing that we need help is the first and most important step in living a life of gratitude. However, knowing, knowing that we need God's help is really important to living a faith-filled and faithful life of gratitude. Because when we come to see God as the main source of our healing, we, we give ourselves to God's responsibility. I love this passage. As we look at our passage in verses 12 and 13, as we look at this passage, the passage this is what the passage says. It says, As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on me. Thus, these lepers knew that the first step the first step to healing and the first step to gratitude was to know that they needed God in their life. Now, as many of you know, I'm the pastor of Celebrate Recovery, and um, uh, I love Celebrate Recovery because uh, Celebrate Recovery is unapologetically Christian. I tell people all the time. I, I you know, I said, you know, we, 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 I love twelve, you know, the twelve steps programs, and, and there are many that exist, and and there are secular ones, and I love Celebrate Recovery because Celebrate Recovery uses the twelve step principles, but it it combines it with with Christian doctrine and 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 it uses the Bible, and it's unapologetically it's unapologetic about the higher power in which we call upon, which is Jesus Christ. And I love the fact that Celebrate Recovery does that, that it allows us the opportunity to access our faith and be particular about who we are calling on when we are in times of trouble. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm, you know, when I can name my demons, when I can name all the things that trouble me every day, when I can be specific about all the problems that happen in my life, I need to be specific about my higher power. When the hounds of hells are nipping on my heels, I need to be able to call on the name of Jesus. I need to be specific, and I need to be able to call on the name of Jesus. And I love Celebrate Recovery for that very purpose because it allows us to access our faith in Jesus Christ to deal with our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. And I love the very first principle in the 12 steps. And the very first principle says this We admit we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives have become unmanageable. Needing help and knowing we need God's help is our first step to gratitude. We are grateful because we have, through the grace of God, found a healthy way to manage and deal with our lives. We need God because we found a good way to deal with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our lives. I always tell people in Celebrate Recovery, I said, we're all trying to figure out a way to cope. We're all trying to figure out a way to cope. We're, we're either coping with hope or we're coping with dope. I told them to put that on a T-shirt but we're all trying to figure out a way to cope. We're either, we're either building bonds and we're building, we're building relationships, we're building ways that will be sustainable to help us through the problems when they come in our lives or we're building silos that are unsustainable, that will divide us, that will keep us from the source of healing in our lives. And the good news of this passage is that it reminds us every day that if we want a life of gratitude, then it's important that we know that we understand that we need God in our life. That we need God in our life. I said to my kids all the time. I asked them. I say, Have y'all have you got, gone to church? Oh, daddy, daddy, don't you want to daddy me? Have you gone to church? You know, you give your time to everybody else. Give it to God too. We need God in our life. The second thing we must faithfully, that we must know is that we must faithfully follow Christ's command no matter what. That we must faithfully follow Christ's command no matter what. Look at the passage, and I love the passage in verse 14 and what happens with Jesus and these ten uh, leopards. When, when Jesus sees them, and the scripture says, when he saw them, he said, go. Show yourself to the priest. And I love the last part of the passage. It says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Faithfulness means going when you don't see anything happening at all. I love First Methodist Mansfield. I love this church. I love this church because, because this is a church that just, that you, I, I tell people, I said, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken has their statement, we do chicken right. And, and First Methodist Church, they do church right. <laughs> First United Methodist Church, man, y'all just rocking it. Y'all doing church right. And one of the things that I love about First Methodist Mansfield, one of the things I love about this church, one of the things I love about about the ethos of this church is that this church is all about mission and about, about going and doing God's will and following the love of Christ and sharing the love of Christ with others. When I met Pastor Mike, um, you know, I met Pastor Mike and, and Pastor Mike, uh, he came to the hospital when we built the hospital and I was the chaplain over there. He first came in and introduced himself to me and then he introduced me to, church, to the church. And one of the things he said is that he said, you know, he said, this church is one of those churches that's all about mission. And I love the fact that First Methodist Church is about mission because it's about going. And going means that when we go, we get healed. Several, two years ago, we, Pastor David and uh, some of the pastors in the church started uh, getting together uh, with the uh, pastors and some of the senior leadership of Bethlehem Baptist Church and the whole purpose of getting together were were conversations very specific around race and race re- reconciliation and, and there were real questions about, you know, how do, how do we live better together and how do we begin to, to do things better and, and how, do we, how do we recognize one another? And so we started meeting once a month and we would have lunch and we would talk about our experiences and, and there were some painful experiences that we all shared regardless of our race. We talked about our pain and what it is that we felt, and, and we talked about the sin of racism. And as we talked and we, we talked about, you know, and what was interesting in that whole discussion, we talked about what would be a measure of success? How would we be able to demonstrate whether there would be success uh, in this community? And I remember I I said, I I, hear success for me is when the cemetery, the fence, is taken down without any protest. Now, on Juneteenth, I heard that the fence was taken down, which is good news indeed. And it's worth giving God praise for because it's a real indication of God's grace being manifest in our lives. And I praise God for what God continues to do in our lives in healing us from that scourge. The good news about this experience, and I, I can't really say that, that you know there was any credit that we could take for, for all of that happening. I don't know if there were any sidebar conversations or anything like that. But what I do know is that we were getting together, and we were praying, and we were in conversation with one another. And the scripture constantly reminds me that God's words never comes back void, and the fruits of that word was a fence coming down. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, then we have to follow God's command to go and to love and to be all that God has called us to be as a people of faith, to love with that radical love, to love with that love that God calls us to do, to go to be all that God has called us to be. Finally, last thing we must know is that grace is made available to the outsider for the transformation of the world. Look at this passage. I mean, this passage is interesting. I mean, as you, as you look at the story and, and when you began to really delve into it and unravel it, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's nine Jews and one Samaritan. They have found community with each other because they have leprosy. And during this time, if you were a leopard, you had to live outside of the city. And this one Samaritan lived outside of Samaria, and, this, and these other Jews lived outside of Jerusalem. And the scripture says that Jesus was traveling between Samaritan and Galilee, and as he was traveling, these 10 leopards came to him. And they started calling on the name of Jesus for their healing. And Jesus says to them, then go, go to the priest and show yourself. Now, the scriptures are silent about what happens or, or what's going on in their minds or, 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 or where they're going. But what I see them doing is they're following God's command. They're following what Jesus tells them to do. It's all written down that, that, that if you're cured from leprosy, that you go and show yourself to the priest and then you're entered back into the community. And so I see them and they're walking and they're, they're making their way to the priest. And I hear the mind, I hear the voice of the Samaritan who wonders in himself if the healing was for him too. Because there is no priest in Galilee for the Samaritan who was considered a half-breed to the Jews, who was considered an outsider to the Jews, And I wondered if the Samaritan, as he was walking, he said, this is the only community I know. And I will walk with them whether this grace is for me or not. And as he walked too, he realized he was healed. (laughs) And then he did the thing that he only, the only thing that he could do, which was to turn back and go to Jesus so that he would be sane. Healing was made available to the outsider as well as the insider made available to the Jew and the Gentile. And the good news is that we, outsiders, who have been outside of God's grace, God's grace has been made available to us too. Several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit with a group of pastors and some community activists in Dallas um, concerning um, the Bolton Sh- Shawn, uh case and uh, Amber Geyer and the shooting of uh, the young African-American in, uh, that got shot in his apartment by uh, the Dallas police officer. And uh, one of the prominent pastors called a group of pastors together, and there were pastors from, from different uh, prominent churches in Dallas, African, both African-American and, and white churches that were, were, uh, were there at the meeting at Fair Park and and I came uh, into the meeting because I serve uh, as vice president of pastoral services for Methodist Health System. And so this, the area where Methodist Hospital is, I consider that my parish and place where I do ministry along with the place that I do ministry here. And so a good friend of mine called me and said, you need to come so you can be a part of this meeting. So we got into the meeting and we started listening and I and, and it was really just kind of a round table and all of us talking and pastors talking and activists people from Black Lives Matter and people from uh, Mothers Against Police Brutality and, and there were conservative groups and there were there were liberal thinkers and there were all these people and they were all talking and they were going around sharing their feelings and sharing their frustrations and sharing their parents. and sharing their fear. Then it came time for me to talk, and I, I remember saying to the group, I said, here's what I think we need to understand. What I think we need to understand is that we're all hurting, that we are all in pain, and that we pastors, both white and black, that we have the responsibility to do two things, to speak healing to the pain and then to speak prophetic truth to the world. To speak the truth of love that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, to speak that love that, that we should love God with all our hearts, mind, and soul, and our neighbor as ourselves, that we have to be prophetic and we have to be loving all at the same time. And the good news is that we need to talk to ourselves. The good news of the passage, the good news of the passage is that is that is that this grace is made available to all of us. Who are outsiders? We're all outsiders saved by God's amazing grace. As I was thinking about this passage, I thought about my own journey. This last month, I. Uh, or, or about a little over a year ago, I, I, I um, had to, I, I turned 53, and so um, I went for my annual checkup, and when I went to the doctor's office, uh, my doctor, he looks on, you know, he, he go, kind of goes down the checklist, and he says, well, Mr. Renty, I noticed that you hadn't had your colonoscopy. Uh, you're three years late. You're supposed to have that done at 50. So if you're 50 today, you need to go get your colonoscopy done tomorrow. No, 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 no. So, I, so I, I, I said to him, I said, well, you know, I got this to do and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And he was like, listen, you need to get it done. He said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I said, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write a script. I'm gonna write and then I'll give it to my assistant. They'll set up an appointment and you can go get, you can go get, get that done. So they set up a date and, and got everything situated. And, and so I you know got, finally got over to the doctor's office and uh, walked into Dr. Trussell's office and, and he, he explains to me about the procedure and all this stuff and then he gives me these two, uh, uh, this stuff to drink. And so I take this stuff home and I drink it and uh, here's a warning, don't leave the house if you drink the stuff. <laughs> It's not good. <laughs> uh, so the next day, I, you know, I get up and I go to the hospital and, you know, I'm all dehydrated. And, and you know, uh, Pastor Jim comes by. He says a prayer with me, asked me, you know, how I was doing. I said, I was reading the paper all night. So after the procedure, after after uh, prayer and all that stuff, that you know, I went down and went through the procedure, and then I went in, and as I came out, I, you know, uh, came out of my droggy state, I was really hungry. I said, I want to get something to eat. Cynthia was there with me. We were there together. And, and while we were sitting to, uh, together, Dr. Trussell came in, and Dr. Trussell, he, he says, well, he says, a little bit of news, I wanna share with you the results of you know, what we found. He said, first thing is, is he said, you, you had three polyps. He said, we were able to get two, he said, but one of them was a tumor. And so, you know how when you start hearing tumor, you're like, oh, my goodness, well, what does that mean? And so he said, well, he says, I don't know what it means right now. He says, it's early. He says, you know, he says, the good thing is that I saw it. He says, I can't take it out. He says, it's going to have to be surgically removed. And so, you know, I began this whole questions of what if and why me and, you know, like, God, really? I mean, you know, I got a life to live. Why do I got to stop and do this? I was, you know, and, I, and I, then all of a sudden I started feeling all this insecurity and, and, I, and anger and, and fear and all of this stuff started happening to me. So they set a date for the surgery, and, and Dr. Trussell said we're going to go in. What we're going to do is uh, take out that section, and we'll take out some lymph nodes, and we'll run a test, and we'll see what happens. And so I went to surgery, and as I went into to surgery, you know, I, I remember just having, you know, uh, some fear and anxiety, and, and Cynthia, we prayed together. And, and I remember there came this time where I said, Whatever happens, it doesn't matter because I'm given, if I have 60 seconds or 60 years, all of it to God. So I went into surgery, and when I came out of surgery, uh, a couple hours later, Dr. Trussell comes in and says everything went fine. And then uh, he came back the next day, and he said, well, he said, I ran a test on uh, the tumor, and he said, I found out that the tumor had cancer. He said, the good news is that we caught it early. And I stood there with tears in my eyes, like this leopard saying, thank you, Jesus. I don't want to go back to life like I used to. I don't want to go back thinking the way I used to think. I want to go back with a transformed understanding of who God is in my life. I don't know what it is that you're facing. I don't know what it is that you're struggling with. I don't know what it is that your challenges are. I don't know what it is but here's what I want to say to you. Go because God will heal you. Go and give God praise because that healing will be manifest whether you survive this life or not. that grace will be manifest in our lives. Will you go? Will you go in praise in gratitude and in love? Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your love. God, we're so grateful for all the goodness that you give us every day. We ask now that you would transform us and make us instruments of healing and peace. Be with us this day. Then, God, we will be mindful in all things to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.